From those in the know to those who need to know, this is the Indie Weekly Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Indie Weekly Podcast, where we share some of the best conversations had at Indie Weeks uh, for online music conferences, as well as our Indie Weekly webinars all with the purpose of helping you further your career and help you build a sustainable career in the current music industry. So this week's conversation comes from one of those Indie Weekly webinars. This is Indie Weekly 68. It was held back in August of 2022, and it's featuring Teresa Nelson and Steve Kenny of Traverse Music Management. I love Teresa and Steve because they're so passionate about helping uh, emerging artists with their careers and really helping them find and f- learn this industry and figure out the best decisions and paths for them and their goals. This Indie Weekly session was called Artist Tips for Long-Term Growth. So it gives you a good idea of some of the things they talk about alongside um, Daryl Hers, the founder of Indie Week, who you'll be hearing as the host of this, uh, this Indie Weekly session and I guess for this podcast. If you've never attended an Indie Weekly webinar, they happen uh, most Tuesdays, almost every Tuesday throughout the year, uh, usually at 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's like Toronto or New York time. Every week is different, but it's always focused on um, in-depth, interesting conversations that offer practical insights and advice to artists that help them with their careers. If you want to see what's coming up, uh, just go to IndieWeek.com and hit that Indie Weekly tab at the top of the page and uh, register. They're always free. And the best thing is if you attend live, um, it's just over Zoom, it's an opportunity to, well, for one, connect with other people from all over the world who are there watching, but also ask questions of the expert guests that are joining that week. But before we get to this week's conversation, we first have to acknowledge that the land on which Indie Week is based is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, Wendat, Ashinaabe, Métis, and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. We must also thank our sponsors and funders. Those are Slate Music, CD Baby, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, The City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, SEMA, SOCAN Foundation, and our newest sponsor, Cox and Palmer, who provide legal services in Atlanta, Canada. We also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. Without the support of all of them, we couldn't do the work that we do for the music community. So a big, big thank you to all those companies, organizations, and government bodies. All right, let's get to this week's conversation. Today, we're talking about building a sustainable career as an artist. And, and how, what are some of the steps? Uh, we're gonna just have a really cool discussion. And we've got uh, Steve and Teresa here um, that we're going to talk about through this. And it's something that, that I want everybody to, you know, pay attention, take notes, but ask questions as well. Uh, normally, we take questions at the end, but uh, ask them anytime. And if it makes sense, I'll, I'll bring it in. Uh, but we'll take questions at the end. So with that, uh, Steve, I'll let you introduce yourself and then Teresa, uh, and we'll get started. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and uh, have a conversation and, uh, uh, you know, chat about some of this stuff. So, yeah, I'm Steve. I'm one half of Traverse Music with Teresa, the other half. Um, just a little bit about myself. Um, I'm We're an artist management company, um, artist management, whatever that means nowadays. Um, and I was a musician myself before 
um, and sort of transitioned into management about, I don't know, almost 10 years ago now, um, and started my own company, um, uh, management company. And then me and Teresa merged our two businesses together and um, created Traverse Music. Um, that was 2017, question mark? 2018, I think. 2018. Um, and yeah, so we've been, we were very much a, what a traditional management company would have looked like a few years ago, um, but we've had to, you know, really change how we do things. Um, and we're definitely more, you know, taking project-based approach to things now, so not this ongoing thing. And I think that's part of, you know, when we're talking about sustainability, sustainability for us as a company too, and sustainability for the artists we work with. We primarily work with independent artists, pretty heavy in the folk roots, Americana, that type of world. Um, that's sort of our specialty, but, um, you know, we've worked with a bunch of different types over the years. So yeah, that's a quick, you know, who I am kind of thing. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. And uh, Teresa. Yeah. Hi, uh, I'm Teresa. I'm the other half of Traverse Music. Um, I am coming to you today from North Vancouver, which is the traditional territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh people. Um, I, like Steve, come from uh, like a somewhat music-adjacent uh, industry. I started working in theater and film before I started working in music. Uh, and I've probably been doing this for about six years. And yeah, as Steve mentioned, I had my own company before we met. And we met at the Folk Alliance Conference in Kansas City decided to start working together. Uh, so at the moment we manage four artists full-time and then we do a lot more work uh, on a contract basis with other folks doing like album release plans, grant writing. We do a lot of consulting work these days. Um, but that was, yeah, just a shift that happened, uh, I think just in early 2020. <laughs> Realizing that like not all artists need a manager full-time and not everyone can afford one. So we're trying to be flexible and uh, come up with a plan that works for everyone. Awesome. I, I agree with everything. Uh, and uh, Folk Alliance, uh, that's a prime example on uh, why go to these events. You never know who you're going to meet and what comes out of it. Um, Folk Alliance, just so you know, rings a, you know, something really special to me because Folk Alliance was the last major event I went to before lockdown. And it was in New Orleans. I couldn't make it to Kansas this year, unfortunately. I really wanted to go. Um, but I made so many meaningful connections, especially going into lockdown, that a lot has happened because we were able to connect online um, and do it really quickly immediately after the event. I didn't have to book more flights or hotels. Um, so, yeah, going to these events, man, it's, it's so important. And Folk Alliance is a great one. Uh, I highly recommend everybody look it up. It usually moves around every couple of years. I've been to Montreal, I've been to New Orleans and was hoping to go to Kansas and, and I couldn't, but uh, do check it out. Um, and I just wanted, as we get into the discussion, uh, I see the chat is going off, which is awesome to see. Um, please um, do share socials, but also part of it is take action. And if you see someone share, go to their socials, like and comment and follow each other. Uh, we got to build this community and, and help each other out. And I see uh, you're in Kansas City again, February 1st to 5th for Folk Alliance. Yes, I'm going to sign up and go. All right. So sustainability. Um, and we talked, I heard like, you know, not every artist needs a manager or can afford one. 
Um, I'd like to sort of talk about, I think, team building first before sustainability. I, I think that's an important one. And I would like to ask from our audience, if you're an artist, uh, can you say if you're just say self-managed or you have a manager in the chat, just so that we can kind of get a range on who's here, if you're self-managing or if you have a manager, just please put it into the chat. So um, let's start talking about team building. Um, when is the right time for an artist to take on a manager? I think is a good place to start. And uh, Steve looks like he's ready to go. Steve <laughs> I'm looks- ready to go. I love this question. <laughs> so, um, I'll, I'll so let you start. My first thing with the, the manager question is um, a manager is not going to make or break your career. Like, so I think a lot of people sort of want to get to that step thinking that that person will be able to like just accelerate everything and just make it like take it to the next level. And um, there are great managers out there and like that is a possibility, but like it at the end of the day, it's about you as the artist and what you bring to the table and how strong you are and especially this day and age. Um, So that's my first thing is like, don't rush to that step because you might rush into a relationship that's not the best thing. Um, so when we talk about team building, the, the way I always approach it is like, just start with like, write a list of the, the, like the things you need, like, you know, what are the skills you're missing or like the, um, the pieces of puzzle that you need to like reach the next level you want to get to. Um, because sometimes when you start doing that, you realize it might not be a manager you need. It might, you might need an accountant, you know, you might, and agents really probably the more potentially a a thing you might want to have before a manager. Um, ideally a manager is the one who's helping manage all these different pieces. And if they're the first piece, there's not a lot of pieces to manage. And you sort of get into the situation where like, they're not able to like really, you know, do what they need to do. Um, so all that to say is I think the first step when building a team is actually figure out the, the things you need and just build from there. Like, don't just think, you know, I need to find a manager because that's the piece I should have. Um, find out the things you actually want and then start tracking down those people, whether that's publicists, whether that's, you know, a, a someone who's great in the streaming world um, and just build those pieces as opposed to trying to, just get the labels associated to you. Awesome. I love this start. And I'm chomping at the bit to respond to that, but we're going to let Teresa uh, go first. Sure. I'll, I'll kind of echo a couple of the things that Steve touched on there too. Um, one of, I'll actually start by saying um, an artist that I used to work with once told me that you don't really need a manager. You just need a publicist and a really good car mechanic. And I thought that that was a really excellent mindset of somebody who tours a lot by car uh and it's fine if you're comfortable like doing your whole career by like what's available to you where you can drive to but eventually you're going to want to expand your career internationally um export to other countries and uh, maybe driving from one end of the country to the other isn't as appealing anymore Um, But I think it's all about finding team members that are going to have the skills that complement the skills that you already have, um, but also different management companies operate in a different way. Some of them are more of that day-to-day 
manager doing the administrative work that you might need help with, um, taking things off of your plate, keeping track of your tour management, that kind of stuff. Um, but some of them are more big picture, long-term goal planning, oversee um, your whole career. Uh, and some of them have a lot of connections and are going to put you in touch with different kinds of people who can help further your career or build your team even further. So depending on where you're at in your career, I think it's like finding uh, the team that works for you in the moment that you're in. Absolutely. And and uh, it, it's an interesting thing. I wanted to talk again. I was like some of the things Steve said, I was like, yeah, 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 that right. Exactly that. Um, booking agents they're the gatekeepers to all the shows and and that's that's one of the key team players to get and often i find they're the ones developing careers properly um much more so than managers at times because they're developing through building an audience they know and they've got the connections because one thing that uh it's like a lot of festivals they already have sewn up all the spots for their rosters or the opening slots for bands you want to open for, well, they've got those spots sewed up as well. So, so they're kind of the gatekeepers to what you want. But there's a there's a progression, there's a long game there that like it's not overnight. And I think the the sort of next follow up question to all this is the misconception is I have a manager now I don't need to do anything because the manager is going to do it for me, and it's going to happen much sooner than before because I've got a manager. So keeping expectations in line, I think is really key as you're building out this team. So uh, I'm going to go Teresa first and Steve this time. So Teresa, want to comment on like sort of expectations, like what does a manager really do when you get started working together and what could an artist expect? Oh, that's a great question because it varies so much depending on who you're working with and uh, who your manager is. So I'm I'm not sure if I, if I even have the answer. I think it's all about that open communication, expectations, as you mentioned, um, finding out like where different people draw the line. Um, some management companies won't do your booking and some of them will. Um, I do some, but not all. Uh, and I do specifically Canadian booking, not U.S. So it's... Um, it's all about those conversations and uh, yeah, just keeping asking questions. Very cool. And, and, and like uh, if I can add a little bit um, one little trivia kind of thing is it's actually kind of illegal for your manager to do your booking. Truthfully, <laughs> just so you know, I did it when I managed, I did, I booked all the shows, but just for artist expectation is a manager is not supposed to book the shows. They're supposed to help agree to the show offers and, and manage the best show offer from somebody booking the show, um, like a promoter. Uh, so just so you know, the reason why is it's a percentage business. So technically, if the manager books your show they're supposed to get a booking percentage if they were truthfully getting paid for booking the show but then they're going to take a management percentage on top of that and that's called double dipping so if you have a manager that is trying to double dip that's not a good manager so that's a red flag to watch out for just a, a little uh side note there uh steve any comments on expectations and and starting a relationship yeah, I think like the one thing is communication is the most important part for sure. Um, and we often sort of 
we when we enter start working with artists we often sort of call it a dating phase where like we're not going to long-term commit to like either of us um until we work together a bit and see how that goes um and the big reason for that is like you know if the if the relationship doesn't work well and it can even be like you know it's not like a bad relationship but if it just doesn't like like um produce what either side wants like there's no point for either of us to keep doing that like i don't want to be working with an artist if it's not like feeling good and progressing right um so the communication piece is, is definitely important and sort of when you originally asked something i thought of like one you know we sometimes get that question and an artist once phrased it to me it's like you know if we have a whole bunch of rocks we're trying to get up the hill um when we start working with you like what does that mean like are you going to be carrying the rocks or like are there going to be more rocks or like you know like who's carrying the rocks up the hill and my approach is always sort of like like the more of us carrying rocks the better it's going to be so like you know you don't get to just like stop doing anything like then that's not impressive um we're definitely going to help carry the rocks but our biggest goal is to actually like only carry the rocks that are the important ones because usually what happens is as artists you're trying to carry all the rocks when if you just focused on a couple of them um, you might see better results so yeah when it comes to that workload piece it it is a lot of like yeah if you get people on your team it does like that's not when you should let off the gas and let them do the things that means like it should be the opposite if you get people on a team you should start you know, putting more effort in because th those, those results will like expand because there's more people on board. Uh, I totally agree. And that's the, I like that sort of care who's carrying the rocks. Um, and I think um, if you're distributing sort of tasks out amongst the team, uh, I think one of the best parts of communication is who is responsible for what role and really clearly defining that. I was friends with a band uh, from uh, college days called The Smalls. They were really big out West and I wanted to book them. I'm friends with them all. And they were like talking to Terry, the drummer, who we almost started a band before The Smalls, but uh, he went and joined The Smalls instead. Um, so I did a real good relationship. I'm like, hey, I'd like to book your band. He's like, don't talk to me. Talk to Core. Core books everything. Right. And if I talk to Mike, he'd be like, nope, talk to Core. Core books, everything. And I'd start talking to Core, but then talking about, hey, well, we should do this. Oh, I don't do that part. You got to go talk to Doug. And so so it's kind of like not stepping on each other's toes within that, but, but really clearly defining the roles of everybody. And I think that, that that's something really uh, important. Oh, uh, Kelsey just said, love the smalls. And he was just here. I know I was in Brazil when Core was here and I couldn't uh, connect. Uh, but yeah, so these are kinds of things. So let's talk about that maybe a little bit about uh, defining the roles and, and uh, you know, that sometimes, again, what's management going to take on versus what's the artist going to keep as their role. So uh, we'll go with Steve, Teresa this time. For sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, one thing I'll say is I think we as a company, Traverse, do things a lot differently than a lot of other management companies. So that's the one thing I'll, I'll say to start this. Um, right now, a lot of what we're doing is we don't really have many artists on our roster in a truly like we're the manager thing. Oh, like the vast majority of what we're doing is we're taking on specific projects for the artists we're working with um, and working on that project, which 
gets clearly defined what we're doing. And I think there's a lot of good from that. In, in the past, when it's this ongoing sort of never-ending management thing, it can be easy to fall into that, like, who's doing what kind of thing. And it's you always have to be on top of, like, you know, who's on top of what. Um, so the project-based stuff we're doing is, I mean, it eliminates that because it's like, here's the, what we're trying to do. Here's what we're responsible for. And um, it gets rid of some of that. But in general too, like, um, I don't think there's a clear definition of like what management does and what artists does all the time. Because if we're working with an artist who's great at something and great at doing something, like, then they should do that. Like if they're better at it than us, then why, like, what does it benefit us taking that on? Um, we'll take on the other stuff. So they have more time for the good thing. And that might be, you know, the, the really important stuff, like spending time writing songs and making music. Um, that's like, that's where they should be spending more of their time. So anyways, all that to say is, yeah, I think it can be different in the relationship. And this is part of when you're building your team, it's asking these questions, right? Um, if someone just comes in and says, we're going to do everything, we're going to take care of all the stuff. It's probably a red flag. Um. Right. And, and, uh, I'm going to get back to that. There's a couple of points in there that, that are great, but we'll let Teresa talk. And just warning, Red Bull's kicking in. I, I just finished. We're, we're, here we go. All right, Teresa, you're on. Well, I was just thinking about like, if you are an artist who has a group, um, as Daryl was mentioning earlier, and you can sort of divide up those roles within your group and have one person take care of marketing and social media and another person to take care of the booking, um, it might be a little bit of of a longer period of time until you need more team members in place. Um, or you might be able to look at the bigger picture stuff faster if all of those little things are sort of taken care of. So um, bigger groups sometimes have that advantage, but I think there is also the eternal struggle of like too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, if everyone has an opinion about how something should be going in a group, there has to be that trust. And the same with a management relationship or an agent relationship, there has to be that trust that we all are working towards the same goals. Um, yeah, I think Steve covered just about everything else. So, I, I agree that too many cooks in the kitchen part, I've been in so many of those situations and uh, it stalls projects a lot of the times. So whoever is best for what role and they're actually interested and passionate about that role, I think that's the best person for it. Um, I did want to sort of pause and just sort of like give like maybe a definition for an artist manager because we didn't kind of do that. And I'll let each of you also contribute. But uh, the way I used to describe an artist manager is trying to A, identify the correct market for the artist and help prepare them for that market. And I often feel where there's a bad relationship is the artist thinks maybe this is their market and the business or the manager thinks this is their market and they're kind of going in two different directions uh, and not on the same path. And I think that's where a lot of conflict comes into play. Um, and if you're in one of those lengthy um, contracts that tends to tie up your career. So, so I think that's something to really focus on when you are talking to maybe a new relationship is, what do you think our market is? and see if you're on the right same page, even right off, off the bat. Um, any contributions to that uh, definition of a manager? 
it's the inter we've we've been trying to figure that out for how <laughs> however long we've been doing this. I think the way I approach it is always what are like what are the goals the artist is trying to accomplish? And then how can we provide the resources and people to make that happen? Um, I think one of the biggest um, stumbling blocks for a lot of artists is they're just doing the things and they're not actually sort of really specifically trying to like accomplish specific things. Um, so we really try to like long-term, what are we trying to do? And then like, now we'll just figure out the steps to get there. I agree. Uh, Teresa, anything to add on, on your end? No, I think Steve just is 100% right there. It's it's not even from our perspective necessarily about finding the right market. It is um, about, you know, what are the artist's goals and values and what does success mean to them and then help them take steps towards achieving that. Yeah, awesome. I, I, I totally agree with that too. Uh, it's about being just, on the same page, right? Like, sorry, somebody know. just said managers say no to your friends for you, and like, yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and family. You can include family in there too. Yeah. Uh, I, I literally the last managing role I was in years ago, uh, a mom was involved in making a lot of the decisions, and I, I just at one point like I can't, can't keep working like this because. It, a lot of the things is uh, talking about expectations is everybody wants things faster than what reality is going to happen. So, oh, should be on the radio right now. Mm, not ready for that yet. Not ready for that. And, and, and uh, no, no, he's ready. Uh, no, no, he's not. Because here's the thing. As you're building your career, it's very much relationship-based. And if you get one kick at the can to make a first impression, if you make a bad first impression and you weren't ready, that door is going to close a lot of the times and it's going to take a lot to reopen it. And, and that reopening is much more work than opening it the first time. And, and I find uh, it's really important to try to have everything ready so when it opens, man, you're exceeding their expectations, which means let's do this again, as opposed to, nope, that didn't work out. We have a thousand other artists to look at. We're going to work there first before we come back to you. So, so that's something to, to consider, but yeah, I love that. Say no to your friends uh, and, and family and family. I, I got to add family. All right. Uh, so the other part that I want to talk about is sustainability. So we're, Talking about like, okay, you get management, your team is expanded, roles are defined, stuff's moving along. How do you, how do you work towards sustainability? What's, what's sort of getting onto that path looks like? Uh, Teresa, we'll start with you. I was just thinking earlier today about this. Um, Steve and I release uh, a regular blog post called The Ascender. If anyone is interested, you can sign up on our website. Uh, but there was uh, a an article that Steve wrote last year that talked about like abundance versus scarcity. And I wondered if, if Steve could uh, sort of elaborate a little bit on what that article was about and what, cause I think it pertains to some of this conversation about, uh, about markets and audiences and, and development for the future. Cool. I'm going to have to remember on the fly what that one was about. Um, yeah, I think um, I'm going to try to, yeah. Like we often sort of like, 
think in a scarcity mindset in that, like, I always need more, right? I'm always chasing more. I'm always chasing bigger. I'm always chasing the next thing. Um, but when you start coming from like an abundance mindset in that, like, I, what are the things I already have and how can I like cater towards that? Um, one, it's a healthier place to come from. Um, two, you start to create like what you're making, like your art for the people who are already in your community. And you're not creating it for people who um, like hypothetical people out there. Right. Um, and when you do that, you start to, I think you're more true to yourself and you start to create better art, which is what this is supposed to be. You start focusing more on the creation instead of the chasing stuff and spending hours on social media and, you know, just chasing. Um, and as a byproduct, now this takes time, um, but you'll see better growth because you're one, you're creating better things and you're focusing on the people that are already connected to you. Um, and it's a, like, I've had this conversation with artists sometimes, and it can be a bit of a hard sell in the sense that like, yeah, but then how do you get more people? And it's like, well, like stop worrying about more, right? Just, just worry about the people you're already connected with. Cause like any artist at like, there's some level of people who are engaged with what you're doing. Um, so just put your energy into them and it'll feel better too. Like you're actually creating for people. Again, you're not, you know, sort of beating yourself up, chasing more. Thank you. Exactly. And that is kind of what our general approach to management is, is that like authenticity level of honoring the fans that you already have, and then you will grow from there and, and not trying to force these like if I make this social media ad and I get a bunch of, you know, new followers, it's like, it, it's kind of like throwing spaghetti at the wall sometimes. <laughs> just throw it out there and kind of see what sticks. Yeah. And I'll just add to that too. Like, that's not saying you don't do that other stuff. Um, but if that other stuff is like. Your only focus. And your first go-to, like, like that's going to come across to like people, like, you know, the people that are connecting, like, whereas if you're starting with something genuine and good and something you put a lot of work and attention into and then share that with the world. And then you do that other stuff. Like if people then can like see it, like there's a better chance you're going to connect with those people. Interesting. Interesting. I've got, I'm kind of, I'm on the fence a little, uh, but I agree like uh, with both, it's finding the balance, I think. I think part of the communication is goal setting and going, okay, in 12 months, this is where I want to be. And I think that'll determine the decisions on how much do you focus on more or what you have. So I think it, the, the real part is where do I want to be in 12 months, 24 months, three, four or five years, that kind of thing. And I think that's going to determine how much you push or don't push in certain areas. And there's so. times where you'll want to push. You're totally right. And there's times where you'll want to sit back and, uh, and just watch and listen. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a big part. And cause a lot of like when, when I'm talking about audience growth, it's like the truth is it's the people I don't know that that's where growth comes in. The people I do know, they're already here, but to grow, I need to talk to people that are strangers. I need to get them on board. And that's what growth really is. So uh, I think it kind of, if you put like, here's my goal in 12 months, 
now you can kind of manage that and, and work towards it appropriately. And, and I think uh, what Steve said more, I think, and it's funny, we just had this conversation internally with my staff earlier today, more isn't a goal. And I think that might be part of the mental health part is, oh man, I need more, I need more. And we don't know what the end of more is, but if we said, oh, I need 300 more followers by the end of the year, now you have at least a definite. And it could be like, hey, I got 400. I got 100 more than I wanted. Amazing. But if we just said more and we got 400, oh, I didn't, I, is that enough more? Or is there more more I need to do? And I think I think that might, like true goal setting, I think is is part of it. And we'll be back. Hey, listener, you're listening to our podcast, which is a recorded session from one of our other online sessions. Every Tuesday, you can tune in and be part of it at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that is Toronto time. For those of you listening in from different parts of the world, uh, it's our Indie Weekly, and that means we talk with music industry professionals, artists, all about the music business. It's a great way to connect with others as we have people tuning in from around the world. We encourage dropping links, sharing, DMing, making real connections while learning about the music industry and uh, hearing from music industry professionals. So once again, that's Indie Weekly every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's Toronto time. And to sign up, just head over to IndieWeek.com and all the information is there. And we're back. You said sort of like, yeah, what are, where do I want to be in 12 months? Like, where do I want to be in 24 months? That's the important part. Because, And this is sort of harkening back to some of the stuff I mentioned before. When you actually do that and then sort of like reverse engineer that, like if you sort of try to do too many things, you realize you just don't have the time or like you're way too far ahead on your predictions of like what you can accomplish in a year. Um, and it, then you're forced to like put more focus on the things that can work and there's potential instead of just sort of like doing all the things and hoping something will happen in 12 months. Um, so that's like, and then when you do that, that's when you then sort of you seek that growth because you're very specific about like the things you're trying to do and you're not just trying to grow for growth's sake. Right. Exactly. It's, it's with purpose. Right. Yeah. And, and also um, the other part I find is when you do the goal setting, and I think this is turning into a real interesting discussion is that when you do that kind of like, here's my goals and you get through that phase, you can then reevaluate. Did we hit our goals? Did we miss? How do we realign? What do we set for the next 12 months? What's our next goal? And, and this is where history, like I'm old officially. Uh, you can look back and go, oh, I did this and this happened as a result. Okay, if I do more of that, maybe more results. Uh, so, you, so by keeping track, it allows you to really know what's working and what's not working. And hopefully... You can get rid of all the stuff that's not working and it just becomes more fun because all the stuff that's working is what you're working on. And it's good. Uh, <laughs> Teresa, would you would you agree or have uh, anything to add to that? I do agree. And I think that some of the, that like intentional goal setting and creating those like smart, tangible goals will also inform decisions in your career about where you should put your focus and where you should put your energy. Absolutely. And where you should push the energy to your managers to focus on and such. 
<laughs> there's one point that I wanted to make too, because um, Teresa, you you talked about putting all the tasks out. I, I think again, Red Bull's really kicking in. Um, I think a lot of it is too is when you're doing the tasks and you hand them off to somebody, you can then at least know if they're doing a good job or not a good job because you've handled that yourself. And and I think another part is you know how to communicate what you expect because you've done it. Um, how does that, let's talk about, okay, we're, we've got a manager, done some team building, we've worked together for a while, but now let's hand off the work to the manager and, and let's just be the artist. I want to kind of put that in, into it. Where do, when does that happen? I noticed, you, uh, Steve, you started talking about some of the bigger artists and such. Uh, that turns into kind of like that luxury moment and that's the sort of rare pinnacle that most artists are trying to, like, I just write songs and I play them. That That's kind of tell me where to show up and I'll show up. Uh, how do we get to that part of the career? That that turns into like, hey, that's really where it's sustainable. We've got a team and, and such. So, yeah, like, that's the ultimate goal. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll just for fun play devil's advocate and say, is that the ultimate goal? Like, if you have a team of 15 people working for you and you're this big machine that has to like keep that going um like i know what you're saying and like yes to, to some extent that is the goal but i also think there's a path for artists that doesn't have to be that like you can be an independent artist who brings on specific people to your career at specific times based on what you need and um and function that way and, and make a sustainable career for yourself um, that way. Um, because I, I don't think like, I think when, like what you were just talking about, like, I don't think every artist necessarily wants that. And there's a lot of pressure when that's what's going on. Right. Um, so I'll offer that side of it. Right. Where it's like, um, for artists like if you don't feel like that's what you want to be doing like there are other ways to you know function in this industry and have a, have a career absolutely um Teresa want to add anything and, and then I want to swing it in another direction here I think Steve really just hit the nail on the head there I'm not sure if I have anything to add uh, I think success means a lot of different things to different people and not only for artists, but in everyone in their life, in their career, you know, like owning a fancy car and buy, being able to buy a house isn't necessarily uh, everyone's goal. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's about defining your goals and and setting those ex expectations and then, yeah, working towards something. And then when you achieve those goals, reevaluating and uh, and deciding where you want to go from there. Right. Absolutely. And, and I just sort of where I said I wanted to swing the conversation a little bit is there's been some talk going on in the chat um, I want to address is like, okay, we've been talking kind of like artists and, and such, but let's, let's maybe think about a songwriter, like somebody who is, I just want to write songs and maybe I'm not the artist. Uh, how, how would you manage that type of role and, and uh, work towards some sustainability as a songwriter? What are, what are kind of some advice you would give to people that are looking to go down that road? Yeah, I mean, I think at that, you're looking into like a publisher. Um, you're looking into potentially a, um, I guess if you're looking strictly as a songwriter and not even like 
like we we work with some people who are really into the sync world where they're like writing music for like tv movie that type of stuff um now they're also recording that music but they're not like or an artist sort of out being an artist they're just making that music for that um but i think as a songwriter um yeah i they just pitch too but yeah i mean i just don't know if i have a good answer for that because it's just not a world we dig into too much um and i think i mean i know people who focus that part of it is connecting with other artists um that type of community building that community um but publishers i mean there are publishers that do pitch um right i know not a lot of them do but there are some that will so it's, it's finding those people yeah, yeah. go go ahead Teresa. sorry i was just gonna say uh attending events where there might be music supervisors or looking for opportunities for uh co-writing songwriting camps that kind of stuff um maybe i would i would focus your career sort of in that direction uh, and maybe, yeah, management or an agent isn't necessarily what you need. I just want to, just because we're sort of just in here, and there was a question about, we talked about affording a manager, and someone oh, was asking, like, it, what is if that? I, if I can add to that so, that songwriter one, just real quick yeah. before we jump there. Um, one, hey, it's a good opportunity for us to say, at Music Pro Summit, we'll have a sync session with Mark Freezer from Sync Summit. So I have to do that plug. That's my job. Uh, but, um, yes, one uh, I would say is write as much as you can with other songwriters, collaborate as much as you can. That helps build your network. And, and it also can help build that safety net of people that you can go to for questions because they're in the same position as you. Um, plus you just never know where those songs are going to end up because if you co-write with somebody and they're pitching the song and it gets synced, you're still going to get the rewards. So I think that that's something that's really important to, to mention. And it is tough to get onto a publisher. Um, when you do, it's kind of like, wow, I just won the lottery ticket, kind of. But it's similar to, hey, I have a manager. Now I have more work to do. Um, but a real quick tip is um, when somebody's interested on the publishing side, it's kind of also volume of work that you have. How many songs do you have? And if you're like 20, we're looking for over 100 right? Because they, they're in the business. If they are syncing, they want to have as many options to sync to. They're also in the business of trying to pitch for an artist to record a song. Oh, we need a country song. Great. I've got 50 of those. I need a metal song. I've got a hundred of those. I need a jazz song. I've got 30 of those. You want to be able to have a catalog to that they can ship out and send out and try to get placed because that's what they want to do. So um, that's my little quick add on for that part before we leave songwriters. Yeah. So, Steve, go yeah, That same it. thing too is, and that's the closest I can compare to like with when we're talking songwriter, but like, I know the people who are successful in the sync world, like, like they're writing songs like weekly and they have supervisors coming to them, asking them to like for types of songs and they'll turn songs around in a day, right? So a lot of people sort of think they can just sort of jump into sync, put their music out there and like, somehow I'll get picked up like that's like a full-time job if that's the way you want to go in that yeah and it's it's also who you know build relationships and yeah stuff. um we always have mark do a sync panel at one of our online conferences uh he often also uh participates in these indie weeklies um and and there have been some placements or talks of at least doors opening 
through those relationships. So it's been great to see the chat here, but I hope people are also DMing each other. I'm getting some, I hope you're talking to each other. That's what it's really about. Um, and, and also with the sync type placement stuff, just for any songwriter, any artist releasing music to Spotify, release both the full version and an instrumental version where you just mute the vocals. Don't remix it, just mute the vocals and release it because um, that's how some sync agents are also finding music. And, and often they're looking for the instrumental music. And if it gets placed, they'll go, cool, give me the full version, give me the instrumental right now. If they have to wait, uh, they can find another one. So they'll skip over it. So just a little tip. All right, Steve, you were going to go down another road and we want to make sure. I know, I'm just going to dive down another road here. <laughs> um, someone, yeah, asked about like, we, someone mentioned like, you might not be able to afford a manager, but if a manager is making a percentage, what does that look like? So like my thing that is like, yes, it's a percentage and, you know, 10, 15, 20, depending on the things, it's somewhere in there. So do the percentage of like whatever you're making and now take a percentage of that and ask yourself if someone would work for that amount of money. Um, and that's, that's what I mean by affording a manager. Like it's, there is the flip side for us where yes, growth can be a thing we have to consider and like, where is this going to grow in the long term? Um, but it's the same. It's also the same as like artists can't play for exposure, right? And you're going to die from exposure. And it's, you know, the same thing on our side, like there's got to be enough there that like, it makes sense for someone to do the work for 20%, 15% of whatever that is. So when we say afford, it's like, yes, it is percentage, but like, is, can someone work for that? And like, you know, reasonably like make a living doing that or as part of like a team. So that's when we talk about afford, that's the perspective we're coming from sustainability for the manager and the artist is really uh, what it's about. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, we're a percentage business. Everything is a percent. That's why uh, a lot of times I'm focusing on people in conversations because everyone's like, how do I get paid more? Uh, more people that have money to buy your stuff. That's how we make more money in this biz. And then how do managers make money? Uh, more people bought your stuff and you have to give a percentage to the manager as a result. And if no people's buying your stuff, then no money goes to the manager and that's not sustainable for your team. And eventually it just turns into let's not work together because none of us are making money. Um, we, we hate talking, commercializing, I get it, art and stuff, but we all have to survive. Right. And, and, and that's, that's the reality of it. Right. Um, Wow. See, look how fast this time goes. I love how active our chat is today. Um, yeah. Thanks. There's Matt a couple little. Sandra. Yeah, go for it. A couple people had said um, one was someone mentioned accountability and then mm. someone mentioned like keeping an artist on track or something along those that and like that's huge. Like and that's where we come from. A lot of it. It's like the more we can like there's one artist I specifically talked about this. So it's like, she would like to be like this, like going, woo, woo, like just throwing things. And I'm like, you know, I don't want a straight line, but if I can go like this and keep her like that, because that's the creative thing, right? That's our job. Yeah. It's like, just let's keep it on enough of a track that we're moving forward. Um, and the accountability piece, I'm actually surprised how many artists we work with where, I sort of play that role, but I kind of don't want to like 
vocalize that. This feels like I'm like, you know, they got to do homework and tell me that they did their homework. But they'll after like a while, they'll come back and it's like, man, I love that I'm accountable for someone. And it's true. Like, that's a big part of, you know, the role we play. Yeah, I, I, I often said, man, I don't want to be dad. And I, I felt like I was a dad a lot of the times when I was uh, managing artists. Uh, Teresa, do you have any anything to add to, to that point? Uh, I... That's a good question. Um, sorry, I got I got distracted by the chat again. I was reading through some of these past comments because uh, it seems like some folks are asking a little bit about uh, the sort of different approach that Traverse has and the sort of a la carte um, vision that we have. And uh, someone was asking about Canada Council grants. So yeah, I have been doing some grant writing for artists that are not uh, like our full time clients. So uh, that can be like on a per project basis. And uh, same, Steve has been also working with folks on album release planning. So um, some of that forward thinking in that like six to eight months before the album is out, uh, coming up with a, a tangible plan. And then that has to do with the accountability piece too of working with artists uh, on a weekly basis and talking them through that strategy and what is changing in the timeline and, uh, and making things move and what needs to be done when. Um, and so in that kind of scenario, we'll only work with the artists for the year and then, you know, we'll kind of wrap up our project and, and go from there. But uh, if you want to reach out to Steve or I, uh, I'll leave our emails in the chat and uh, you can ask us more questions by email too, if we run out of time today. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And, and you know, possibly to have that, that approach allows you to sort of build relationships before going full on into a management uh, contract agreement and and I think that that's that's a great way to do it because uh, a lot of times uh, like if I was working with an artist I know some others do this is like okay we'll do six months and then see is it going good is it not uh, and it's okay if either of us leaves at that point uh, so we kind of have that out if it's not working uh, because that happens and and I think it's good to say that up front and you know uh, managers have to be accountable to the artist. Uh, managers are like that's their clients are the artists, and managers have to be accountable for that. And and there also has to be expectations and goals met on that side of it too. I know we've been talking about the artist, but it has to fall on the management side of things yeah. as well. I think that's a really important just that point. Um, if you're an artist, like these people work for you, you don't work for them, right? Um, so always keep that in mind. Like, um, th they work for you. Yes. <laughs> it's, your, it's your vision. It's your art. You, you know, talk to them about that. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other, like, there's a couple things and Gary just asked, like, you know, her Bruce Allen just works on a handshake agreement with artists. Is that really common? Actually? Yeah. Uh, you know, truthfully, a lot of the people I've talked to, they're kind of like, if we can't, have a handshake and we both agree and actually do our jobs, then it's actually not worth putting it to paper. And, and uh, you know, that can come back and sort of, you know, as they say, bite you in the ass and all that kind of stuff. But really, if, if you're on the same page and you're working for the same goals, uh, yeah, handshake agreement. I did that a lot and with others I didn't, you know, uh, but it, it's, uh, you know, it's funny, I find that in more old school kind of stuff. And I find sometimes maybe you guys can sort of say if you found the same, the people who are pushing a contract right in your face up front. Wow, actually, those are the people I don't want to work with, truthfully. 
it turns out uh when you're like oh i need this signed i need the blah, blah. like ah. that's why i really like the dating phase you know it gives everyone an opportunity to get to know each other and see how we work together and if we're actually a good fit um, I don't know if you've heard the expression, like you're dating your agent, but you're married to your manager. Like some of my clients, I do talk to every single day, uh, even on weekends, early in the morning, we text constantly. It's like, it's uh, it's a different relationship and not everybody's ready for someone to be that involved in their career. Yeah, exactly. And, and Patrick uh, just added, while the manager serves the client, that doesn't mean manager should be expected to become day-to-day personal assistant. Yes. Also yeah. true. <laughs> also yeah. true. I, I, thanks, Patrick, for contributing to that. I know. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah. And that point, too, it's like if, if your manager's focused on all that stuff, then they're not actually focused on the, the bigger things they should be working on. Right. So um, and I think what you said, too, about the contract thing, like, I, I mean, we most of what we die we don't have many contracts with anyone we work with right like it's just you know we sort of gauge that up front and yeah like maybe one day it'll come back to bite us but um it hasn't and um yeah i kind of agree with you where if someone's forcing really pushing a contract on the front end um be careful what you're sort of getting into um, and have someone look over that thing legalize it make sure yeah. it goes through and redlined and all that kind of stuff yeah uh, yeah i'm i'm always skeptical on, on that kind of stuff and i'm at, at a lot of times i just walk away yeah not not worth it for right now maybe we'll look at it later yeah it's a trust thing because if you if both sides trust each other like you're gonna take care of each other in the long term right um but again, I say this and like, yeah, people do get burned though, right? So that's that's why they do need to exist. So my lawyer would tell me not to give that advice. <laughs> Same here, but yeah. but but it's it's it is that if we're going into something long term, we'll know when to do that paper. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and we also don't want to get stuck in something that we can't get out of either. And and so uh, it's a catch 22 a little bit. Um, and I'm noticing uh, Consuelo says he's abroad during Music Pro Summit. Hey, Consuelo, if uh, that's the case, email Zach, zach at IndieWeek.com. Uh, note all the content's up for three months and you can connect with everybody. So that's the beauty of online stuff. Uh, it's already four minutes after. That's how fast this time stuff goes by. Really crazy. Um, again, uh, this was a great discussion. I think we're going to have to do a part two at some point because uh, we could talk forever on this kind of stuff. But uh, I think the takeaways is um, really think about what your goals are and really define it. That allows you to keep everybody accountable, define the roles of everybody who does what that helps with accountability as well. And communication, man, that is so important while you're building this relationship. Um, and the one point I did want to say on that side of things is when you are looking at a manager, do look at, you know, I talk about the market part. Um, what are their connections with the market you want to be involved with? Like, do I get a metal band manager when I'm a folk artist and things like that? Sometimes that works, but sometimes it doesn't. So, so you want to know who their relationships are. Um, and that's kind of also what you're bringing a manager in is they've got the relationships open doors. I, I think that's an important one. 
Um, any last comments, uh, Steve? Um, I'll just say like, I know Teresa dropped our email addresses in. I'm just going to do it again here. So they're, they're there again. Um, I think I just sent that to one person. I'm going to send it to everyone. Um, technology. Um, but reach out, like, honestly, I, someone had mentioned in that chat, like, I don't think I'm ready if I should reach out. Like, like we like chatting with artists and having conversations and that's all it is to start with. Like, let's just chat and maybe we can answer a few questions for you and go from there. But like, if you wait till you're ready, you like, we might be like already a bit too late because we need time to like, see if the relationship makes sense. Um, so let's, you know, if anyone wants to chat, reach out to either of us and we'd love to, to chat. Yeah. And on that note too, just because you're not necessarily ready to sign a contract or to talk to somebody about uh, like actually having a manager, it doesn't mean that you, you know, you can't start building those connections and meeting people and shaking hands because uh, I'm actively watching the careers of a number of artists who uh, you know, I really like their music. I'm a fan, but, um, and we've always agreed that we have to be into the music in order to work with somebody. Like I, uh, I can't help promote an artist that I don't believe in. Um, but yeah, you know, they might be just just starting out on their first album and I'll just be casually watching their career and watching them grow. So, um, yeah, feel free to reach out and say hi. I love that. And, and you know, one of the points is uh, reach out to people that you want to talk to. You never know what's going to happen. And I think by not doing it, um, you're exponentially decreasing the chances of something happening. Um, like you said, sooner is better than later. And at least could we open the doors. Like I talk about going to a conference. I might've sent somebody an email and then run into them at a conference. Now we've got a point of reference to start with as opposed to starting from scratch and such. So real important. Uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, Teresa. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, so that does it for this week's podcast. A reminder that our next online music conference is coming up for uh, from May 1st to 3rd is Indie 101. And Indie 101 is really all about um, helping artists and their teams build sustainable long-term careers in the current music industry. It's about those fundamental lessons and conversations that you need and every year we make sure that we're staying up to date and bringing in new topics, new speakers, or, you know, that evergreen stuff that is so fundamental to an artist's career and building a lasting, sustainable career. So again, that's Indie 101. It's happening May 1st, the 3rd. Go to Indie101.com. You have until April 27th, so just a few days left to save $20 with our early bird uh, ticket deal. And also, the DIT online music community is in full swing. It's launched. It's free to join. Go to DITcommunity.com. It's an excellent place to connect with other artists and music industry professionals, kind of build your contacts, your network, ask questions, seek advice. But also, every week, almost every day, we have new educational content coming out. It's also a great place to watch past um, indie weekly sessions, uh, conference sessions from Indie Week, Indie 101, Music Pro Summit, and so on. And it's all designed around education and community building and networking and uh, helping you as artists or uh, music professionals learn and foster and build a lasting career in this complex music industry.
All right, so that does it for this week. Um, but before we go, just one more important shout out and thank you to Indie Week's sponsors. Uh, those are Slate Music, CD Baby, CMRRA, Lyric Fine, Ben Zoogle, The City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, SEMA, the SOCAN Foundation, and our newest sponsor, Cox & Palmer provide legal services to artists out in Atlanta, Canada. Indie Week also acknowledges that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada, because without them and our other sponsors and funders, we could not do what we do to uh, help the music community and serve the music community. So big thank you to them. Big thank you to you for listening. We'll see you back here again next Thursday.